Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Informatics Bites, the podcast where we talk with our members about innovation in pharmacy, hot topics in informatics, and new technology. My name is Neil Ratcliffe, and today we will be chatting with Pooja Oja. She's a PGY2 informatics resident at Mayo Clinic, and Craig Ressler, Senior Manager of Medical Affairs at Becton Dickinson & Company. We're going to talk with them about AI bias and its impact on patient care. We're continuing to see more solutions claiming the benefits of AI in healthcare. But we're not often made aware of those challenges, you know, potential consequences of using such tools. You know, what should you be mindful of when determining if a particular sophisticated technology solution is appropriate for your patients or practice? So thanks for joining us today. Uh, Pooja, you want to start us off by, you know, going over what is artificial intelligence? Yes, thank you for the introduction, Neil. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is the use of algorithms or computer and machine processing to simulate human cognition and the analysis of medical data. AI combines concepts of machine learning, natural language processing, enhanced clinical decision support, and automation or robotics to achieve tasks. AI can analyze data and present results that support human decision-making. Artificial intelligence has the ability to make healthcare more accessible and efficient. So it sounds great, right? It's, uh, it's going to save the world. But uh, I think a word we hear a lot now is, is bias. You know, it's been a key word in, in regards to AI and machine learning over the past few years. So, Craig, you know, what, what does that really mean? That's actually a great call out, Neil. Uh, in healthcare, we tend to ambiguously apply that term bias to such a variety of different scenarios that an exact definition is hard to come by. If I were to pull the basic definition of bias from the Merriam-Webster dictionary, I'd find that it's defined as a tendency to believe that some people or ideas are better than others, and that usually results in some people being treated unfairly. I really like this definition because we can apply it to a number of different biases that can impact AI and clinical decision support. I commonly group these biases into two different buckets. The first bucket I really look at is automation bias. And in this case, we think and we trust that the technology we are using is more accurate than the years and years of knowledge we learned in school or in clinical practice. This can further be broken into commission bias, where we blindly trust that AI or decision support knows best, or omission bias, where we fail to act on patient needs because we expect the technology to prompt us to do something and it did not. The second bucket we really look at is algorithmic bias. And this is when bias occurs at the programming level. We see the technology utilizing the algorithm and it makes preferential decisions based on geographic location, ethnic traits, socioeconomic situations, age, or gender, just to name a few. Yeah, thanks, Craig. I, I think that is, um, that's great to have those, those two groupings like that, right? And, and, you know, when I think about bias in healthcare, you know, I looked at some of the many ways we've been told that AI is going to improve healthcare, right? So improve diagnosis, medical risk detection, drug discovery, you know, and so bias in healthcare can mean that the outcomes and the impacts of AI will not be what we expected for patients for whom the bias is causing the failure, you know, by not factoring their attributes and their needs, right? And at the end of the day, 
we want AI to help us meet the needs of all of our patients who are in front of us as clinicians and providers, you know, regardless of their gender, their ethnicity, or even the less noticeable characteristics such as socioeconomic status or values. You know, so Pooja, in, in things that you've looked at, you know, where does this bias come from? So in my experience, bias in AI can arise from many different areas as the output of AI is shaped by the data that is incorporated into the build of the AI tool. Humans can use the data that is fed into the AI algorithm and thus can impact bias, whether intentional or unintentional. Bias can occur at any phase of AI algorithm development. An example of bias in AI development is when the algorithm does not represent the population for which the algorithm was intended. Algorithm development can lend itself to bias because choices are made during the algorithm development that may have unintentional bias associated with them. Sometimes an algorithm is developed and tested on one population, but then is generalized to encompass more patients. This situation could negatively impact the generalized population as it's not acting on the patient population for whom it was originally designed. Yeah, so if we're talking about these different patient populations, you know, who, who is most at risk for AI-associated bias? What do you think, Craig? You know, I, I think we can look at that both subjectively and objectively. Subjectively, I can make that blanket statement that anyone with a diverse background, whether it be age, gender, socioeconomic status, or any of the other characters we previously mentioned, could be at risk for bias. And it really depends on that intention and that programming of the artificial intelligence or clinical decision support used. However, when we look at that more objectively, we get a clearer picture of which populations or characteristics are most at risk. There was a really good meta-analysis in the Journal of Medical Informatics from September of 2020 that looked at 164 articles between the years 2015 and 2019. The results showed a resounding 92% of studies on machine learning utilizing EHR data failed to report socioeconomic status. Additionally, race was not reported in 64% of those studies, gender sat at 24%, and age was not specified in 21% of those articles. Even more concerning to me, only 12% of those algorithms studied validated their results with external populations outside of those peoples used for the initial algorithm design. When we look at identifying populations and characteristics most at risk, I think we need to start with those omissions first. Yeah, that makes sense, right? I mean, those characteristics are still there just because they weren't reported and used in the data set, right? I mean, that doesn't mean that they, they go away. So we, I think it's great to look at those. So we've talked about the risks, right? Now, what are some of the consequences of bias, especially in clinical decision support, Craig? Yeah, this ultimately goes back to one of the things you said early on, and that's to provide personalized care for each and every patient, despite the fact that our algorithms are based on these entire populations. We routinely see algorithms perform exceedingly well for one subpopulation, but fall short when being applied to another. One of the most Famous examples I can think of is the Framingham Heart Study Cardiovascular Risk Score, which was a study based on a population consisting of 80% Caucasian participants. While it was highly effective for that subpopulation, it could potentially misclassify or disproportionately assign risk to other races or ethnicities. I also look at the consequences from a vendor standpoint. At a more macro level, the algorithms designed and validated within industry touch so many patients. 
If care is not taken to mitigate bias, not only do we risk introducing new biases, but we also run the risk of potentiating existing biases. If I were to base a new algorithm that say, selects suitable candidates for discount medications based on that Framingham risk score I talked about just a few seconds ago, my algorithm could further that bias by only including or even only excluding that patient population that were primarily studied, potentially causing lower compliance in an entire race of people due to the affordability of their medications. Yeah, Pooja, what do you think? What are some of the consequences here? Yeah, so going off of what Craig discussed, there are many different effects of bias in AI that are described in the literature that can also affect practice. In addition to the algorithm not being generalizable to different patient populations, there's often a lack of transparency, which has been termed black box decision-making. This is where the decision that the system makes is not open to the interpretation and the final outcome is the only judgment that can be made. This becomes difficult in prediction models where the system makes a decision and the steps leading up to that decision are not clear to the end user. Additionally, the system may be trained on historical data, which may make the tool outdated A new literature is published or changes in the patient population are made. Another example of the consequence of bias in AI is in automation complacency, where the system is given more confidence than it may deserve. This can lead to decisions built on data inflicted with bias. Seems like uh, the consequences can be very severe and uh, lead to some, you know, really, I think, catastrophic issues, unfortunately. So what do we do? What, what are some of the things that we can do to mitigate biases? Well, when I think about how to mitigate bias, there are a few areas that I would target. The data and the population studied, the methodology implemented in the tool, and the feedback loop. In order to mitigate bias, I would select test data that includes a diverse patient population over a large time period. This should reduce bias that results from the lack of generalizability of the tool. Then I would select a methodology that provides the most transparency with the decision-making process. For example, if I'm creating a tool that helps suggest dosing for anticoagulation, I would allow the end user to see where the suggested dose came from. This will allow end users to understand what is used in the decision-making process. Lastly, I would want to provide a method for feedback to be given and received by end users, such that suggestions related to the use of the tool can be implemented if necessary. I absolutely agree with that, Pooja. Uh, The other thing that I'll add is that there are some really nifty prediction models out there that can help identify potential risks or biases in algorithms. One of my personal favorites is the ProBast, or the Prediction Model Risk of Bias Assessment Tool. This tool asks a series of 20 questions, and it really helps determine the risk of bias when reviewing studies that were developed or validated for prediction models. When I look at this tool more in depth, the questions are really bucketed into four different groups. The first two are related to participants and focus around biases in population. The next three questions concern predictors of outcome and ensuring they are defined clearly. The following six cover the appropriateness of outcomes defined by the article, and the final nine questions really focus on how the study sponsor analyzed that data. For those of you who haven't had a chance to review this tool yet, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I I think that that's that's great to call out what you said, we really need to understand our solutions, you know, that are using data to be you know, trained. Um, we need to understand the models. We need to understand how the decisions are made. We need to understand the data that's going into that. 
And, and I think it's great, right, that we have some, some tools that could be used, right, to help identify the risks and the biases. Knowing that we need to have this awareness, uh, how do you think awareness of AI biases is going to change things in the future, Craig? Yeah, I'm going to take the industry perspective again on this one. Um, I think we've already started to see how some of these changes have influenced new products and algorithm development. What I think we'll see is that our vendors are going to become more hyper aware of the number of biases we see today and proactively inject diversity into the program DNA. We'll also start to see a wider breadth of populations used to train AI and incorporate it into clinical decision support. And our vendors will heavily rely on clinical subject matter experts to help influence inclusion criteria. The other thing I think we'll see is the emergence of new biases not well documented today. It's our responsibility in the vendor community and all of our responsibilities as healthcare providers to continuously study our inputs and outputs to ensure every patient is receiving that highest level of care possible. That's a great perspective, Craig. To add to that, awareness of AI bias will allow for informaticists to proactively design tools that will mitigate bias. One thing to note is that bias will not ever be completely eliminated, but it can be reduced. End users can also be more aware of the bias that may be impacting the tools that they use on a routine basis. Having a fundamental awareness that bias exists will allow for end users to request transparency in the tools. Increased research on the implementation of AI tools will allow for further understanding of the bias in AI. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we have a responsibility for this awareness, right? I mean, you know, we need to shape the cultures of the organizations that are, you know, creating the, the AI or machine learning solutions and then those that use them, you know, be more open and comfortable, you know, challenging what it means to be fair and equitable in healthcare. Again, going back to it, right, we want to ensure that everyone has access to high quality and affordable care. That's all the time we have today. So I want to thank Pooja and Craig for joining us to discuss AI bias and helpful mitigation strategies. So thanks again for tuning in to this session of Informatics Bytes. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's Informatics Resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings in the Informatics Resource Center, including articles, standards, and guidelines, as well as practice tools for pharmacy informatics and healthcare technology-related topics. Be sure to follow at ASHP Official Podcast for more episodes from the section of Pharmacy Informatics and Technology. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.